0: Welcome to The Francisca Show Podcast, a part of JewishCoffeeHouse.com, a show on where I give a voice to Jewish issues, topics, and people. I'm Francisca, a podcast success coach and your host. Welcome back, and thanks for checking in once again. I'm so excited to have you listening here, spreading the word about the show, and contributing in the WhatsApp discussion groups where we discuss future and potential topics and episodes For this podcast, I want to thank Zahava Bauer for introducing me to our guest today. Today's episode is going to be quite short, so I decided not to leave you hanging and release a second one this week. The next episode will be with Esther Freeman. If you know her, she is a musician, a singer, songwriter. We recorded this a while back and in honor of Lagba Omer and introducing music back into our lives, I wanted to connect back with our roots of this show where we used to interview Jewish women in the arts and entertainment, talking about music journey, the music industry and tips and both episodes this week are on the shorter side which is why we're coupling them together and next week in honor of mental health awareness month we will have an episode attributed to that and how that affects building a jewish from family if you or anyone you know is thinking of launching a podcast and you want to do it yourself please do reach out i have some incredible resources for you as well as the new course i just launched and I'd be happy to hook you up. As always, see you in the discussion group. Here we go. Welcome back to The Francisca Show. Today, we are doing a tribute episode in honor and memory of last year's tragedy that took place in Mehron on Lagba Omer. With us today, we have Shira Cronenberg from Bergenfield, New Jersey, the director of Judaic Studies, Learning in Fresh. And she also happens to be the aunt of Donnie Morris. I love Shalom. Welcome to the show. It's such an honor to be speaking with you today. Thank you for having me. Take us back to last year's Lagba Omer. Maybe paint a picture of what were you doing? And then how did things unfold? What happened? If you can describe what was happening.
1: I was actually home. It was a Thursday night. My niece was over. We were preparing for Shabbos. I was with some company for the first time since COVID, actually. And I got a text about saying to Helen and at the same time, I got a text from someone asking if I was okay. And I think I was very confused in the moment. My nephew's Hebrew name is Nachman Danielle, but like we always like, just call him Donnie. So, like, in the moment, I didn't really think much. I didn't get it at first. I think I looked at it very quickly. And my sister goes by the name Alana, but her Hebrew name is Miriam Alana. First, I started to ask my friend, like, what do you mean, am I okay? Like, I'm about I'm going to say to some Tehillim also like clicked and I called my brother-in-law all he knows right now is that Donnie was hurt in Miron and they don't have any other information I quickly like went online to see what was going on and even that like I couldn't even understand it first I was like was there a terrorist attack what's going on in the meantime we started saying to Helen. I do is all guidance at my school. So I had just put into the chat, please say to Helen, and someone called and asked if he was okay. And I said, I really don't know. Like, we don't have any information. So one of the teachers I work with, her son was also at Shalabim. So the friend who called me called her. And I think there was just like a lot of people thinking they saw him, saying he's okay. He just got hurt, but he's fine. And then my niece, Donna's younger sister, was in my house and I also didn't want to scare her. So when people were calling, someone got me a name of a Madrich that they thought my nephew was with. So, like, while other people were trying to call, I was trying to get through to him also to ask him how my nephew is. When I did get through, he said that he's not with him. He's with another kid. And from there, I was really just waiting to hear, trying to get in touch with people that were at Shalabim. My niece, I think she didn't know what was going on really. So she ended up staying with me a lot longer just I think to keep like, I don't know, I guess I'm trying to be in mind of a 15 year old who we're trying not to be worried. And in my mind, I'm like, I'll be fine. And I remember being like, my assistant principal called, he's like, is everything okay? And I was like, yeah just everyone should say to Helen wait they can't find my nephew right now and I was like watch they're gonna find him like with a broken leg or something and I'm gonna feel more like he just was on the other side and it's gonna be like why you made such a big deal about something I was at home my sister lives around the corner for me at around like midnight I brought my niece home There was still no real news. And then I got in touch with a friend who had connections to Ellie Beer. So they were trying to get in touch with him. I guess around 30 in the morning or so, I told my sister I'm coming over. And I said, I'll stay in your basement even, but I don't want you being alone. The rabbi of the community, Rabbi Newberger was there with his wife and two other guys that were helping my brother-in-law. But I felt like my sister shouldn't be alone. I don't even remember what time it was. Was when we decided to. I said to my sister, maybe we should post it on Facebook. So I think posting on Facebook started to make it very real, but we needed information. So, what did you post on Facebook? Looking for Guy Morris, we happened to have had, which I think is the picture that really ended up going so viral, was he had sent my brother in law a picture of him at May Roan, and it was only maybe 10 minutes beforehand. And I think that's like probably the thing that made it so difficult, like, meaning, there were 45 other people that were lost that day. And just as tragic, I think the picture knowing that 10 minutes before the smile on his face. not like, oh, everyone posts a picture of someone smiling when they're looking for someone missing, but to know that this was literally 10 minutes beforehand. My brother and sister-in-law in Israel, so they were going around. People were going and looking in hospitals, calling every hospital.
0: They went to Israel to start looking for him?
1: My brother and sister-in-law live in Israel, and once it was posted, people were looking, people that we knew that were in Israel. My brother and sister-in-law Had a flight to leave on Friday. It was going to get them into Israel on Shabbos, but he couldn't fly.
0: Those are Donnie's parents. They were visiting Israel at that time. No, they were home.
1: They were going to, they got a flight to go to Israel, which was part of the reason that was helpful about having posted on Facebook. I had a friend that lives in Israel who was able to get them visas very quickly. Remember, flying last year was still very, very difficult with COVID. So, in the meantime, we were working on getting them tickets, people looking getting bits and pieces of information, not everything. I mean, it's like anytime there's a missing person, there's accurate information, inaccurate information, information that's partially accurate. Can you give me some examples of the information they were getting? So information was someone said they saw him being taken in an ambulance. Someone else said they saw that he was fine, just had someone was taking care of him in the ambulance. So people were looking in hospitals, for him, but nothing then we found out much later on that someone said they saw him trying to be revived. And then in the morning, honestly I can't even remember times anymore because like after we were told that his body was identified and that he had passed away. Who sent that information? So I think Rabbi Waxman and I think my sister in law were ones to identify the body and they told the rabbi who then told.
0: And that was the next morning. Yeah, it was
1: not even, it was probably early afternoon even already. My tummy knew 100%.
0: Wow. What happens after that? What the process was after they found out? And I know there was a very big funeral.
1: I think after it was changing tickets, booking tickets to get to Israel for a funeral. As I said, my sister... And brother-in-law were originally supposed to leave on Friday to go to Israel, but once he was pronounced dead, there was no flying on Shabbos anymore. So, it happens to be we have incredible, incredible friends in the community and the rabbi and Reviton and everyone. I honestly, I wish I knew how everything got done, but tickets were. Booked paperwork was taken care of and we knew that when we were flying out to Israel, Shalabim ended up asking to move the funeral to Shalabim. I think once they knew how many people they imagined being there, I don't think that there would have been space necessarily anywhere else. And also I think Shalabim wants to have it there because he was a student there.
0: You went along with Donnie's parents with your... yeah. My niece and
1: my, yeah, and my niece and nephew.
0: Can you describe the plane ride or like the travel there? What was it like?
1: So there are people who took care of everything, getting through the lines, getting through security, letting the stewardess who we were. There was another family on board also who had lost a son at the Miron thing. And I'm always extremely nice. I was sitting with my niece and nephew. My niece was directly with me, like, in the seat, I think, and my nephew, actually. It didn't feel real. I couldn't. I tried at first. I was like, I think I want to speak. And I was like, like, I don't know, like, I was like trying to write, like, I was looking at the partial and this. And then I remember my nephew looking at me and he's like, sure, just, just stop. He's like, just go to sleep. And I was like, I can't. But I was sitting on the plane and I just. Decided to write my nephew a letter, and that's what turned into what I spoke like I read at the funeral. I think everything felt now looking back because obviously, as the day approaches, it's very anxiety provoking. I think it felt like an out of body experience throughout, like that it didn't feel real, especially because we were supposed to go to Israel during that whole year to see him visit. And I remember getting my vaccine and like sending him a picture and being like halfway there, you know. I don't think this is what I thought going to Israel would. I definitely not thought, but I think everything after that was like an outer body experience almost. We got to Israel and there were people there to meet us, to get us through the whole system. We had to get COVID tested and then they were also doing serology tests at that time, but things were getting very delayed and there was a funeral that was going to happen. And obviously it wouldn't start till the family got there, but... They somehow worked out letting it come the next day to do the serology test so we can leave the airport. My sister and brother-in-law had friends there who were able to pick us up. They took us to Shauvin. They had an apartment for us to stay in. They had food. Everyone did everything they could to make us as comfortable as possible. And then it was a funeral. I knew there'd be a lot of people I don't think I understood, but a lot of people.
0: Would you like to talk about Donnie himself for a little bit? Sure. I know I'm his aunt, so, like,
1: obviously i thought not, the, I think, the world of him. But clearly, so did a lot of other people. Even when he was little, like, he loved going to school. He was very close with every, my parents, his other grandparents. Always did things the way he wanted to do it, how he wanted to do it. And always, like, a very even balanced kid, like, davening minion every day but also fun was very into sports like playing golf like hanging out with his friends he was someone I always use as examples when I would like talk to my students because he was especially as they were like going to Israel for the year because I always found that what was so great about him was that he was he's from but also very relatable and fun and not nothing he wouldn't do you know i mean his schedule was like a big thing that went around
0: what what's the schedule
1: after he passed away one of the rebellion found in his spot in the be midrash his daily schedule and it was very 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 booked <laughs> with his dafiomi and everything he was learning and i guess the thing that was very endearing to a lot of people was that it on thursday nights it had said call grandma I remember thinking in the moment, like, like grandma, but it came out later on that my brother-in-law's mother felt that when all the grandchildren would call, it's always our Shabbos. It's so like, why doesn't anyone call any other time? So he made the effort to call her on Thursdays instead of Fridays, but he called every hour Shabbos. I would speak to him every hour Shabbos and he's always so thoughtful and it was never like an obligation. I remember our term last year. I got a call from him on Thursday. because term came out on Shabbos, and so he was like worried, like what happens if, like, you know, a little tipsy, and then our Shabbos, like I won't have time to call. So he to have a call on Thursday night. He was very excited about going to room. I had spoken to him the Friday before, and he was extremely excited to go. He was, I think, like from the time he entered high school, he was excited and ready to go to Israel for the year. This was the thing that he was waiting for and from like day one was already going to China And
0: we talk more about and I know you weren't there firsthand but what happened that night the friends that he was with did they share anything that you'd like to share with us
1: there's only really one boy that was very, very much with him. And I think I like, I wish I can understand myself, but fully like what's going on there at the moment. But I know he was trying to help other people also get out. And during that time, I guess the way he fell is as we you know, it was a stampede pretty much going on. And so he died
0: trying to help other people get out.
1: Yeah. Wow.
0: And did his friend
1: also? It's just, it's the way they fell, like that one was able to get back up.
0: Was there anything that any sort of communication between all the other families that lost people that night?
1: Yeah. And I believe there is still communication mm-hmm. on the walls. And I know by, what is it? I don't really, like, I'm not involved in that piece so much, but I do know that one of the people who lost two sons that night, I know he was at Matziva, when they put up the Matziva for my nephew, and he came and he gave up to my parents, to my sister and brother-in-law. So I think that they're all there for each other in some way. Again, some of them are very Israeli, but I know there is communication. I think what gives my family comfort is knowing that he's really continued to make a very, very, very big impact. Whether it's from, Sefer was put out by his friends in Rabbeyan that's learned, whether it's people who have written numerous letters of things that they have taken on in his memory, the math that's been given in his memory. Shalabin made a beautiful whole center there, tourist learning center. So I think we'll never understand it and it's never going to take away any pain that it's caused. Knowing how much good he's brought to the world and continues to bring is something that's comforting slash something that we take pride in. Not many 19-year-olds, I think, could. I think many of us much older don't ever accomplish that much in our lifetime.
0: Sister and brother-in-law. You saw them over the last year what would you say watching them where are they holding now and what was this past year like for them
1: the past year has been very hard especially as the boys come back from their year in israel but in all of their emuna and their strength it's not to say that everyone has their bad days and i feel like they continue to do everything they can to make sure that his memory continues. I don't even think they understand all the time how much people just want to do for them in his memory. So yeah, it's very hard, obviously. I can't even imagine losing a child. I know how hard it is for me, so I can't even imagine. They have an amazing, amazing support system, community. Shalabim has been amazing. My nephew's friends have been amazing. A lot of them have taken on my nephew as a, as his big brother, but yeah, I don't think that pain ever goes away. And I think it's always knowing that no matter what some other is, there is something missing from their lives.
0: I know you don't want to go political, so we're not going to go political. Do you feel like you and your family, everyone else who also lost someone last year, just don't want to go back there. I think it's. I think I'm just like sad because I remember my
1: my urine is always a thing to go to Maimon. When I I think I'm just sad that there's such a like for me anyway, like a negative like connotation to it. I don't even know if I could get myself to go to Maimon on a regular day at this point. I don't know. I know that shopping this year is doing a beautiful tribute thing on Love Bohemia. Inshallah, Vim. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I think everything is a matter of time. And like, I think what one feels today, they might not, we might not feel tomorrow. If you ask me now, if I was an adult, I would walk into me when I'm I would not. But I think I just feel traumatized <laughs> by the whole experience. I think because I've over and over tried like watching the videos to understand, like to make sense of something that I can't
0: make sense of. Is there any episode or moment? that you have witnessed either during the entire episode or during the last year that you would like to share?
1: I think we've learned what's most important and like what not to take for granted. I think what stands out in my mind mostly is however hard it is that no one's like, how like my brother-in-law will still pull other people's sympathies and like be there for other people and like their pain has not stopped them from being there for others and their, their support of like, you know, sometimes it's, it can be very hard to go and see, you know, someone's keep getting engaged or, or having celebrating a Burmese so, but like that hasn't, they never let that take, their pain has not diminished their ability to be there for others. You know, sometimes people are there in the moment, like give it a few months and like, they're not there anymore, you know, because life goes back to being life. But I think that their friends and the community continues to really be there. I know the rabbi is going back to Shal- my brother-in-law to Shalvin for a lot of and I think it says a lot about the support system that's really
0: there. The rabbi of your community is going to Shalvin. Alabama. Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much for doing this episode and taking us a little bit into a glimpse of the pain and loss that the whole nation lived through last year.
1: My pleasure. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening until the end. If you did enjoy the show, please make sure to listen to some other episodes on the show. And you might also enjoy listening to some other podcasts on JewishCoffeeHouse.com. If you need help launching your podcast, please do not hesitate to reach out. And also, if you know of anyone else, please do send them my way go straight to the next episode. And I can't wait to hear all your feedback on the WhatsApp discussion group. The link is in the show notes. I hope you have a beautiful Lakba Omer. If you want to make sure you don't miss a single future episode, make sure you subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast listening app so you don't miss an episode.